much of our world is just sick with hurry sickness and narcissism and valuing expediency over people and consumerism. And so why has my goal been to fit in? Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and my guest today was once referenced by Billboard magazine as one of the most affecting communicators in any genre, Renovare's Director of Education, Carolyn Ahrens. Carolyn has just released a new album, and I wanted to ask her about a couple of the new songs. We talked over video from her home in Vancouver, British Columbia. Carolyn, you put out a new album. I did. It's true. <laughs> Are you pleased with it? Ah, that's a complicated question, but I'm grateful for it. How about that? <laughs> Tell I, me you uh, hate it. It's awful. What, the worst thing I've done. And I. <laughs> you have that freedom with me. You really do. No, you. Oh, thank you. When I took this job at Renovari in 2015, at that point, I had recorded 12 previous albums. And I thought, you know, I might be laying it down forever. And I remember actually doing a concert, right? Like I'd already accepted the job, but I was still finishing up a concert tour. And I remember uh, singing in this concert and the whole time sort of thinking, can I lay this down? You know, because I felt an undeniable invitation to the work at Renovari. And uh, so I thought, can I lay this down? And kind of through this one particular concert, I think I was in Ottawa, Ontario, I was like, yes, I love this with all my being, but I know I'm being invited to something else. And so I came into this job laying it down. And uh, of course, I thought I wouldn't be using music at all, but music is just a helpful language to be able to speak. So I've ended up using it in all music in all different kinds of ways on this job, but I didn't know if I'd ever do another record again. And then uh, sort of right at the beginning of the pandemic last spring, all of a sudden I got this huge rush of uh, creativity and inspiration and um, kind of just seized by a creative burst and um, got to see it through. So I am genuinely grateful for it because it's something I didn't know if I would do again. And I really do love the process and seeing where songs can take you. This one's kind of special in my mind. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but many of these songs are kind of Renovare birthed songs. Is that accurate? 100%. Yeah, they, <laughs> they all come out of the work at Renovare. It's funny because, you know, one of the great privileges of this job is getting to learn, getting new paradigms, being around people that experience life with God in these amazing ways. And all that goes in the hopper and you just never know if it's ever going to come out in, in a song. I remember this when I was when I went to grad school and I was doing a degree in theology. The whole time I thought, I wonder if I'll ever write songs about this. And it sort of has to get, takes a few <laughs> years to get metabolized and come out in a song. So yeah, pretty much every song on this record, On Recognition is the name of the album. Just about every song I can trace back to one or more Renovari experiences or paradigms or, you know, things I've been learning. So it's kind of fun to see see how it comes out. I don't know actually if the album will make sense to people <laughs> who don't have some touch points with Renovari. <laughs> it doesn't have to. I hope it will. 
Well, it's fun for me because a number of these tracks I heard you play live acoustic. Like, you know, I wrote this song and you're playing it at the Institute. And so it's kind of fun to see it, you know, kind of make the list, right, to the recording. I think just about all of them got their first testing, you know, at a Renovari Institute or a Renovari retreat or something. So, yeah, they've been Renovari road tested. Well, there's one in particular I wanted to ask you about because I have this sneaking inclination that I might have had a little something to do with birthing the idea. <laughs> You're shaking your head. Yes, maladjusted. An, yes. An, an anthem about Nate who's yes. not adjusted, right? <laughs> I know. I wanted to just leave that there. Yep. Maladjusted. It's about Nathan Foster. No, it, as you know, we were, I forget even what we were talking about, but we were talking about something in staff meeting. And you said, now I'll probably misquote it. I'll give it my best stab and then you tell me what the actual quote is. But you said something like, it is no sign of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Something like that. Is that the right quote? It is. No measure of health is the... It's what my wife says to me. Yeah. And that kind of stopped me in my tracks because... Well, the song starts out, I tried to make, I can't even remember the exact lyrics right now, but it, it talks I about- I have it. Do you want okay. me to read it? <laughs> yes, yes. One of those first few lines for the story of my life. Kirsty used to do this where, like, could you tell me the lyrics to my own song? I just yes. can't really remember them. Uh, okay. I aim to stay within the normal range. I didn't go right. against the flow. I tried to never be too loud or strange. I was at home with the status quo. Yeah. So I was a firstborn, pretty sensitive to the rules and, you know, people who are into Enneagram stuff. I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm embarrassed to admit. So I try to work well within systems. And when you said that, I thought, yeah, wait a second. Why would it be a goal to thrive in systems that are fundamentally sick? You know, much of our world is just Sick with hurry sickness and narcissism and valuing expediency over people and consumerism. And, you know, we know we live in a system of systems that are not healthy. And so why has my goal been to to fit in? And then that got me thinking about even things like how we structure the Institute and how we evaluate candidates for the Institute, all different kinds of things. And so I started pulling on that thread, thanks to you. That that put me on my own personal journey with it. And it also led me to a famous Martin Luther King Jr. speech, where he talks about being proud to be maladjusted. Same idea. The version I heard was from a talk he gave in 1963, where he says, yes, there's some value to being psychologically well-adjusted, but I am proud to be maladjusted to a world with entrenched poverty and racism. So yeah, and then I got thinking about the upside down kingdom and Jesus saying, look, what you think is first is last and you got to lose your life to find it. And I realized that was kind of kind of his message is stop being so adjusted to this world. You know, don't be conformed to this world. So it's the Nathan Foster song, (laughs) maladjusted. (laughs) How do you decipher what is just a cultural value that's not necessarily aligned with a kingdom value? I mean, how do you sift through what you should adjust to and what you shouldn't? It's a great question. I mean, those of us who are parents— We want our kids, in some sense of the word, to succeed. Like, we want them to flourish, right? And and flourishing does involve psychological health. It involves being able to operate in a healthy 
way in the world we are given rather than in the world we would wish for. And yet we just don't want to get too comfortable with things that work against the health of our souls, work against the health of other people's souls, you know, like it's one it's one thing for me to thrive if if my thriving means that someone else isn't thriving. So I'm kind of just trying to talk my way to some kind of discernment here. I think you need <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit, you need community, you need to occasionally step out of the stream to be able to evaluate where the stream is carrying you. You know, I think it's a tightrope our whole lives. For a long time in my life, I was striving for balance. So the question you just asked, like this balance between figuring out how to flourish in the world we're given versus not just accepting the sinfulness and brokenness of the world we're giving. For years, I pictured balance as this, you know, just this kind of, you know, like, happy state of no effort required. And it wasn't until somebody said, you know, just picture somebody on a tightrope holding one of those pole things and having to adjust it left, just it right, just it left to deal with winds and changing variables and what's happening with your body that balances this active discernment with God and with each other and in your own spirit. It's a journey and one I feel like I'm just getting started on. Yeah. How do you think about it? Oh, I was ready with my next question. Thank you very much. <laughs> I <laughs> I used to do that when I was teaching. I'd have everybody stand up on one leg and, you know, fold their arms, do something. And I'd say balanced, right? And just kind of watch. And then that very point, like you were constantly moving in order to stay balanced. There's no passivity to being balanced. Yeah. yeah. What are your top three issues that you struggle with or growing in, in terms of being proudly maladjusted to a sick society? One of the ones that's been at the front of my consciousness is just systems of racial injustice. And what is my unconscious participation in the skin that I'm in. I'm in Canada. Our history is a little different than it is in the US, but no more <laughs> no more commendable in many ways in terms of racial justice. I grew up with an adopted biracial brother, so a lot of sensitivity around racial issues and yet still just kind of gradually coming to see that kind of unconscious assumption of a particular kind of whiteness or westernness at the center of things and other people are they're welcome to the table but whiteness is kind of the host at the table wear these clothes think this way yeah think this way construct your arguments in this way eat this kind of food so that is a big one and besides sort of the deep work of uncovering just kind of my own stuff that I don't even know is there, just figuring out like, how can I act for justice in a way that does more good than harm and is my bit to do? So that's been a big question. Boy, you asked for three. Um, Better follow the rules. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, oh, it would be maladjusted of me not to give you three, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not there yet in my journey. You know, for me, probably a people-pleasing thing, just always wanting to perform well, to make people happy, to check all the boxes, you know, kind of get that good job and the thumb up. So sorting through that, figuring out what's mine to do, you know, remembering as you sometimes stay in staff meetings and others say that every yes is a no to something else. And, 
you know, just trying to be more discerning because I just want to do it all. <laughs> and, you know, some of that is just temperament. I love doing stuff. So that's, it's not all bad, but being guided for something other than pleasing people or, or having that kind of satisfaction of having done a good job at something that that's a, a call for me, a challenge for me, learning to be maladjusted there. So I'm going to give you two. I will receive and it. in my growth of maladjustment, <laughs> I'm not going to give you three. And it's going to bug me the whole rest of our conversation. This is good. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> can we can we play a part of the song for folks? Sure, sure. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, and then I want to ask you about uh, about another song. To stay within the normal range I did not go against the flow I tried to never be too loud or strange I was at home with status quo Then cracks were forming in the plaster And all the structures came on So now I just want to become maladjusted Maladjusted Cause everything we trusted has gone back This There's one song here that that really moved me called To Cry For You. Could you tell me a little about what was behind that song? Well, sometimes when I sing that song, I remember a podcast I did with you a couple years ago, Lent 2019. I was about, uh, I don't know, four or five months after losing my mom, who I was so close with. And... Um, you asked me a question and I totally broke down. So, th- so uh, the ground rules for this is as we discuss the song, if I break down, <laughs> we're not including it in this recording. But no, it. actually, that was a very, I think, kind of a God-ordained moment. I-, I hope it ministered to other people too. But I think for me and my journey and our conversation together, that was kind of a God-ordained moment. Because what was happening was I lost my mom in October of 2018. A very, very close to my mom. She was definitely my best friend. And um, I just didn't really have, I had lost my dad in 2010 and that was its own journey, but I still didn't really have a good capacity for grieving. Uh, my instinct was to run away from it as quickly as I could uh, whenever it would come up. And my inner narrative was that, um, hey, you know, it's really sad that you lost your mom. Uh, I mean, everyone who knew her really mourned her a lot. She was really something. But, you know, she'd been sick for a long time. She was getting older. It's not like, you know, I mean, I know people that have lost children and it's unthinkable tragedy. And I kept saying to myself, like, 
this isn't tragic. It's sad, but it's not tragic. So, you know, buck up. And I remember actually getting around that time that we did that podcast, The Next Lent. So four or five months later, I actually can remember being in a staff meeting and we do, uh, people might not know we do our staff meetings on Zoom because we're all dispersed. We were talking about something completely neutral and unrelated. And I realized that there were tears streaming down my cheeks, like involuntarily. And I, I don't like to cry in public. Uh, and I thought, ooh, I think I'm in trouble here. You were leaking. <laughs> I was leaking. Yeah, yeah, because I wasn't... Yeah, I just wasn't dealing with um, with my loss. And so I finally gave in, went and saw a grief counselor who was so helpful and said, first of all, you got to stop comparing your loss to everybody else's. Said, you know, the worst grief that you can go through is your grief. Like there's no, it's no scoring system. You're not on like, you know. Uh, uh, bell curve, like just, you got it. You have to go through your grief journey and, and, you know, and someone else has to go through their grief journey. And then she gave me this homework to spend 30 minutes a day actually grieving, like to set aside 30 minutes a day grieving, which was about the most horrific thing I could possibly imagine doing. And I was afraid that I would start crying and never stop, you know, but it turned out, uh, as, as anyone who has, navigated loss with any measure of health has discovered that I needed to learn how to grieve well, that it was part of, you know, there's another song on this album called Becoming Human, that part of becoming human is is learning to grieve your losses. And so I started on this slow journey of learning to grieve well. And probably about six months after my mom died, I ended up being asked to sing at the funeral of another mother, not my mom. And at this funeral, her young adult son, a guy named Jordy, uh, got up to give the eulogy. And he said, now, if you all are wondering if Jordy's going to cry, I'll tell you right now, Jordy's going to cry. It is my honor to cry for her. And that just reframed things for me. I realized, oh, you know, we're to honor our mother and father and part of that honoring goes on after they've graduated. Uh, and that that my crying for her was a way of honoring her and of what what she has been and is in my life. And so there's a, a line in the song that says, I guess grief is the work that love must do. So it is my honor to cry for you. And uh, man, it is hurt. Man, I have not enjoyed the process. And even now, you know, two and a half years into it, I'm surprised by, by how quickly I can be ambushed by memories or tears. But I also can see that I am becoming more more human, learning how to grieve. Yeah. There is something to, uh, I think a lot of things, there's a lot of healing and growth, but um, there are wounds that don't heal. And sometimes I think there's something, there's something beautiful about that. Because she meant so much, it's always gonna, it's always gonna sting a little. But I was just really moved by that line. It's an honor to cry. It's a shift between I don't have my mom or I don't have this thing, any kind of grief. It's a shift to then there's something beautiful here that I got to experience and get to experience in it. Yeah, and, and I think the more I think, first of all, you're right that some wounds don't heal, and that is right. That is as it should be. That keeps us longing for the age to come and it and it is honoring to those 
that we have lost. So I think that's right. You know, there's that line, you're all the ages you've ever been. And I think you're you're also all the all the people you've loved and and all the losses you've sustained and all the joys. I mean, that's that's the other side of it, right? right? If you blunt yourself to grief, you also blunt yourself to joy. You either gotta be unthought or not, you know, <laughs> to all of it. Though I will say as time goes on, there's starting to be more sweet with the bitter in terms of realizing like you know in my particular case and everyone listening to us has these this different geography of relationships and things that affect them at at, at different ways in different seasons but in my particular case i realized that my loss was so seismic because of what a rare uh friendship and love I had with my mom. And so I am able more as time goes on to feel gratitude alongside the loss and awareness of the blessing side of the wound, that the wound just wouldn't be what it was if if the love was not so great. It's a good topic, I think, to be talking about now, because I've heard a number of people conceptualize our experience with the pandemic as grief. And just this you know, a loss of loved ones, but loss of what we had, loss of what we want to have and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And listening to you tell your story, it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes. uh, And and it's this, feelings always come out. Feelings always come out. And that's, you know, you in the staff mean you leaking, right? It's coming out whether you want it Mm -hmm. to or not. And (laughs) It, good and bad. Yeah. They always come out like a beach ball we're trying to submerge uh, un- un- underwater. Yeah. But there is something about feeling the bad, allowing ourselves to be in the suffering that then births our so- uh, 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 an ability to be in the blessing or the, the, the goodness, the gift in the midst of that. I, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing. You, you went there and found a blessing in there. Yeah, I think there is some kind of, you know, our friend Brian, who edits these podcasts, he has this quote about joy that I love. I haven't looked at it for a few years, but it has something to do with like, we're these little shot glasses that God wants to fill with joy, but we're not big enough to feel fill with joy. And the only way we can be made I'm butchering his quote because it's so poetic and beautiful, but it's something like the only way God can make the glass bigger is, you know, to kind of put it in the furnace and re-blow out the glass kind of thing. And um, we just, we have to be enlarged uh, somehow. Our capacity, our the architecture of our soul has to be enlarged somehow. And I, I don't think, I always want to be careful when we talk about kind of the upside of suffering and loss because it can turn very quickly into, you know, God gives us these trials to grow That's up our right. character, and yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And I just, I don't think so. I, I think we live on a broken planet, and a lot of really crummy stuff happens. And I don't think death was meant to be a gift, you know. I, I, I think it's, it's still the enemy. Fortunately, it's a defeated enemy, and there's more to the story. But I do think, you know, God has this uh, remarkable genius for redeeming stuff, <laughs> and you know, bringing beauty out of ashes. And that's one of the things he, he doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our tears. And if, and, and, and it does it, it, he uses it. If we'll let him, if we'll cooperate with him, he uses it to enlarge us, including enlarging our capacity for joy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I'd hold a, an eternal view on some of this that there are things that are just awful and and maybe hold a hope that there's a redemption or a beauty somewhere in there that maybe maybe for the other side. But there certainly is suffering that doesn't seem to uh, find its way to sort of conscious awareness of redemption in life. So you're That's good, true. You're good yeah. to, to put that disclaimer because there, there is that inclination culturally <laughs> to kind of, you know, always mm-hmm. spin things, particularly Christian things. Put put a tidy bow on stuff, yeah. And fortunately, we have the Psalms, right, to remind us it's all just jumbled up. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a big jumble, but the, sto- the story is not over, yeah. I want to play part of that song for folks and and then talk to you about this other project you've been working on. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. There's a lump in my throat. There's a knot in my chest. I am tired to the bone, but I cannot rest. But it's only right to feel like I do. Cause it is my honor to cry for you. All the memories come back, like the tide rolling in, and the current is strong. I go under again, so I hold my breath. What else can I do? Cause it is my It's really good to to talk with you and hear about some of these things have been cooking uh, for these years. I noticed, though, you had another project that was birthed out of this uh, acoustic worship album. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I guess if you if you plug up a pipe long enough, when you open it back up, you're going to get a lot out. So, so I ended up doing two records at once. Uh, so, so recognition is the one we've been talking about. It's an album of originals. And then we ended up doing a, another project called In the Morning, which is uh, kind of acoustic. There is, there's a band, there's upright bass and drums on it, but, but uh, it's mostly my duo partner, Spencer and I, wherever we find ourselves being asked to kind of facilitate sung worship. We have this little pocket full of go-to songs that uh, we know are sort of reliable in terms of uh, helping us unlock our hearts a little bit to what God wants to do in in our midst. And so we thought, well, let's let's record a handful of those. So so everything on that record, there's only one song that I wrote on the record called To Whom Shall We Go? And then there's a couple of kind of our take on some classic hymns and then some little chestnuts that people might know that we've kind of picked up along the way from from friends, uh, different worship songs. Nice. If folks are interested in hearing more and purchasing one of the albums, where's the best place for them to go for that? Thanks for asking that. Yeah, you can get 
recognition or in the morning or both uh, at carolynerrons.com, just my name.com. We are releasing the music a song at a time to streaming platforms. So right now you can find the very first song Becoming Human on, you know, like Spotify and Apple and places like that. But to get the whole record, we're inviting people to come to carolynerrons.com. And that was Carolyn Aarons. Her new album is titled Recognition. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. This work is made possible by donations from people like you. You can support this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find articles and other resources at our website, renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well.